How many people here feel like Jeremiah? People talking about them and fear and everything else. Whew, terror on every side. You know, our commitment to Christ will be put to the test. We will hear whispered warnings and denunciations as Jeremiah does in the first reading today. Even so-called friends will try to trap and trip us up. For his sake, we will bear insults and be made outcasts, even in our own homes, as we hear in today's psalm. You know, as Jeremiah tells us, we must expect that God will challenge our faith in him and probe our minds and hearts to test the depths of our love. Those people who love the prosperity gospel, what happens when a child dies? They come back to the church, don't they? Do not be afraid. Jesus assures us three times in today's gospel and 365 times at least in the whole Bible. Though he may permit us to suffer for our faith, our Father will never, ever forget or abandon us, as Jesus assures us today. Everything unfolds in his providence under his watchful gaze, even the falling of the tiniest sparrow to the ground. Each one of us is precious to him. He is a good, good Father, and we are, all of us, we are a child of God. Steadfast in this faith, we must resist the tactics of Satan. Oh yes, he still exists. He tries to hide, but he's there. He is the enemy who seeks the ruin of our soul in Gehenna or hell. You know, as I was sitting at the priest deacons and seminarians conference in Steubenville, in the beautiful little chapel, the Pochincola, which is a replica of the chapel in Assisi, in Steubenville, I thought much about this week's readings, and you could say that they never left my thoughts this week. I was preoccupied. Father Dave Pavanka, one of the Franciscan friars, told a story of how every year he is called upon, as a matter of fact, he is expected to take care of his two nephews, one seven, one twelve this past year. Ah, this usually, usually involves an adventure to the big city, the mountains, or to the Jersey Shore, as he said. Well, he told a story last year of what had happened to him. He was taking his two nephews down to the big city of New York. I've only been to New York City itself one time when the Twin Towers were still standing. And he had to get from one stop to the other end of the city, and he had several stops to make. And as he was going down the escalators and then past the turnstile, somehow one of his nephews got into the train, and as he turned around to, to get the other nephew, the door is closed. <sighs> he said this was a great case for priestly celibacy. <laughs> you know, he was afraid. He looked in the window, and his nephew was there in terror. But there was a man inside that said, next stop. So he got the message and waited another five or six long minutes to get on 
the train. So he got on the train with his other nephew and went to the next stop. And nobody was there that he knew. They must have stayed on the train and kept going. So what could he do? He had to go to the next place and go actually to where his destination was. Took another 12 minutes for the next train. He probably, it was testing his faith, even a Franciscan friar, you know. When he got there, there was a message on his cell phone, because you can't get cell messages when you're underground. And it, and it was from his brother. How are the kids doing? <laughs> he got on the phone real quickly and he said, I've got everything under control. Hmm. I guess that was a little white lie, but he was hoping that everything was good. Well, the only thing he could do at that point uh, was to go to the, where he was supposed to go. And there he found that a lady had actually intervened. And she actually said to the young man, she says, stay with me and I'll get you to where you need to go. Well, the reunion, can you imagine the reunion with this celibate priest and his two nephews and this one that had been, it, it, it's reminiscent of the one sheep that was lost, of the prodigal son that came back, the loving father. And he was actually able to tell his brother that everything was under control. Another story that I want to relate to you is about Mother Teresa and a motivational speaker, Anthony Robbins. Anybody ever hear of him? Tall guy. Mother Teresa, four foot something. Not sure how tall she is. Tall, uh, maybe shorter than my mother. <laughs> anyway, Tony Robbins, who wrote the book, Awaken the Giant Within, wanted to find out how this diminutive little woman was able to do everything that she was able to do. So he interviewed her and he asked mother, said, mother, how can you do it? How do you get up every single morning and take on the day? She says, Jesus. I'm sure it wasn't that loud. It was probably my Jesus. Tony wasn't getting it. He couldn't understand. What do you mean, Jesus? How does that help you? So he asked again, how do you do what you do? You get up every single morning at 4 o'clock. You spend an hour before the Blessed Sacrament. And you eat very little for breakfast because you want to make sure that everyone else has something to eat. And you go out and you pick up whoever you find on the streets of, it has to be one of the dirtiest and filthiest cities in the world. How do you do that? She looks up and says, Jesus. He still wasn't getting it. Sometimes it takes three times at least. He says, I can't imagine going there and picking up a man who's dirty, unshaven, filthy, smelly, who knows has what, he's been sleeping in the gutters, has maggots, lice, whatever, how can you pick up somebody like that? And she said, Jesus. He is the power. He is the power. You know, Pope John Paul II, I thought about him as I was reading the gospel. His first time he stepped out onto the portico after his 
elevation to the papacy, the first words out of his mouth were, do not be afraid. And later we hear that in the movie, The Nine Days That Changed the World, in the book, that he was in the square. I think it was in Krakow, Poland. And the, the crowd started saying, we want God. We want God. That's what we all should be shouting. We want God. And look what happened. The Soviet Union fell with the help of Ronald Reagan, I guess. But the Soviet Union fell. What are we afraid of? Anything that can hurt the body? We shouldn't be afraid of that. We should be afraid of losing our very soul. I remember when I was just a a little boy. I'm still a little boy, right? (laughs) When I was just a little boy, my brothers and I thought it was a good idea to hop onto this tractor that was left by the construction people. We got it going. My brothers abandoned me, jumped off the tractor, and I was probably four or five, and I couldn't get off. I was frozen by what? Fear. Well, this old man with a beard, I believe he was 65, (laughs) he just grabbed me and took me off that tractor. I would not be here today if Bonhomme Dupuis, our neighbor, hadn't pulled me off of that tractor. He didn't let that fear strangle him. You know, in his great mercy, God will turn toward us. He will deliver us from the power of the wicked. That is why we proclaim his name from the housetops, as Jesus tells us. That is why we sing praise and offer thanksgiving in every Mass. We are confident in Jesus' promise that we who declare our faith in him before others will be remembered before our Heavenly Father. I make a challenge to you this morning. Pick up the Bible. Find out where it says 365 times. Start at the beginning. Do not be afraid. Fear not. 365 times. I have more to tell you. I don't think you can bear to hear it at this point. Later on in the Mass, during communion time, with the hymn, How Can I Keep From Singing, you will hear this. It says, no storm can shake my inmost calm while to that rock I'm clinging since Christ is Lord of heaven and earth. How can I keep from singing? God bless you.